Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. In the NOCO is supported by Blue Federal Credit Union, with locations from Denver to Cheyenne, helping members tap into the power of community. More information at bluefcu.com. From KUNC and the NPR Network, this is In the NOCO, a daily slice of Northern Colorado news and happenings. It's Thursday, February 1st. I'm Erin O'Toole. The legislative session is underway at the Colorado State Capitol, and lawmakers have a lot on their to-do lists this year. It's the job of Lucas Brady Woods to tell us what they actually get done. He covers the state capitol for KUNC. Lucas, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, as always. Lucas, of course, you're stationed at the Capitol for the legislative session, and that means every time I see you these days, you're always in a suit. So let me get a very important question out of the way first. Is it mandatory that you wear a suit? It is. It is. I I probably wouldn't wear a suit every day by choice, but um, there are actually dress codes, and uh, there's a press table on the House floor and on the Senate floor, actually on the floor of the chamber, and for press to sit at the table, you have to wear a full suit and tie or other fancy clothes. Okay, good to know. So the session did not begin quietly. What has been happening in those halls of power? The big one is that the top Republican in the House resigned within a few weeks of the start of session, and that was because the Denver Post actually uncovered an arrest report of a DUI arrest that he had back in 2022. And the real drama there is he was arrested for drunk driving, but also um, being intoxicated while carrying a firearm. And he was arrested just a few months before he was elected minority leader in the House. And so his caucus was not thrilled that they weren't aware of this. And so he faced a few no-confidence votes and eventually resigned on his own last week. So so that was pretty dramatic. That's the top Republican in the state House of Representatives. And that kind of set us off on a tone this session that doesn't give much hope for improving the vitriolic political atmosphere at the Capitol, which, you know, last legislative session was marked by a lot of conflicts between lawmakers. So was the special session in November. And uh, there's already been some of that this year, but, you know, things can always get better. And it's also an election year. Mm. So, you know, there are lawmakers in the state house that are also running for national office and re-election. So, so there are campaigns going on while the business of lawmaking is happening. Right. Let's talk about the Black Caucus, because they have big plans to address racial disparities across the state and how those disparities touch nearly every aspect of life here. What do you know about their plans? I actually sat down with Representative Jennifer Bacon, who's the head of the Black Caucus, and Representative Leslie Herod, uh, who's a member of the Black Caucus. She's one of the sponsors of a bill that would launch a state-sponsored study into these racial disparities, specifically how they relate to the legacy of slavery and systemic racism here in Colorado and how that's manifesting in these racial inequities in areas like housing, healthcare, education, incarceration, transportation, it, the list goes on, right? One example, Colorado Children's Campaign found that the state's black infant mortality rate is actually seven times higher than white infants. And so, you know, this bill is actually a way to 
dive into this stuff on, on an official level, you know, get data on these problems, analyze the problems and come up with solutions. And one thing that we talked about is some of these disparities have been studied by private organizations, nonprofits, other groups. But, you know, the Black Caucus really wants to add a sort of officialness to this, you know, with with the with the government backing, they would be working with History Colorado, the state's historical society, um, to come up with to, 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 again, not just look at these disparities, but to come up with recommendations for, you know, policy solutions to close some of those racial gaps. And I want to touch on the subject of representation, because without the black lawmakers that you mentioned actually being at the state house, we probably wouldn't see this kind of effort. Um, I'm thinking about Representative David Ortiz, who isn't seeking re-election later this year. He is the only state lawmaker who uses a wheelchair. And that means he's had a, a strong focus on strengthening access and rights for disabled people. You reported on some of the bills he sponsored last year. Could you talk about what it means to lose a lawmaker like Ortiz? Well, you know, he, like you said, he's the only lawmaker that uses a wheelchair. I mean, they even had to renovate the House floor to give him access to his desk. I remember. Uh, because there was no wheelchair access. Right. You know, so he's been really spearheading a push for a lot of access bills to for, for physical disabilities. And he's doing the same this year. And, you know, his concern is that there won't be somebody like himself with this lived experience, not just to to to, you know, represent people like him in the state house which is so important but also you know to spearhead bills that serve physically disabled coloradans with with increased access so you know one of the bills he's working on would launch uh, an office in the governor's office to specifically look at access issues and uh legislative solutions to them so that there is you know his legacy does not end with him and that there is still attention to this in the legislature but I think that can only go so far, and he is still concerned about continued attention to these issues that a lot of Coloradans really deal with on a daily basis. Right. Well, let's turn to housing, um, because last session there was a huge focus on housing. We know there are some strong advocacy groups that have been pushing to get tenants more rights. Now we're going to see more bills aimed at doing that. What's your sense about what these bills could mean for Colorado renters? So, you know, renters are, are being affected by, by high prices, high cost of living, just like homeowners, just like other residents of Colorado. So, you know, there is a push from lawmakers to protect renters, especially against evictions and unjust evictions. Uh, they ran a bill last year, actually, that would have um, only allowed for evictions under certain circumstances that are justified. And they're actually going to run uh, a similar bill this year that would that would put in place similar protections so that, you know, there has to be proper notice for renters. They have to actually violate rules to be evicted, uh, you know, things like that, that that really require an eviction, but they can't just be put out on a whim or or without proper notice. Sure. I want to talk now about the opioid epidemic. Um, we know as journalists, it's really impossible to fully capture the massive scope of this problem. What are lawmakers trying to do right now to acknowledge the opioid epidemic? This has been something lawmakers have been really trying to chip away at, you know, definitely last year and, and for years before that. Um, and and th there's four main bills that are moving forward this session from 
the interim committee on, on opioids and substance use, the legislative committee that sort of recommends policy proposals to the legislature, they recommended four bills that are focused on prevention, treatment, recovery, and protections for healthcare workers actually who report overdoses. Now, there is another bill that's coming forward that wasn't recommended by the committee, and that would legalize overdose prevention centers or safe injection sites, also called safe use sites, in cities in Colorado, which are facilities where people can use illicit drugs under the supervision of, of healthcare professionals in order to avoid overdoses. Right. And I know those have been very controversial and have really not gotten any traction in the past. Yeah. Do you, do you sense the same fate this year? Yeah. The similar bill was put forward last year and did not pass. So this is a second attempt. Not sure the landscape is much more receptive than it was last year, but we will see. Lucas Brady-Woods is KUNC State House reporter. Thanks so much for uh, trying to keep those lawmakers honest, and thanks for talking with me. We do try, and thanks so much for having me. What do you think lawmakers should prioritize this session? Let us know. Email us at noco at kunc.org. That's it for us today here on In the NoCo. Robin Vincent is our executive producer. I'm your host, Erin O'Toole. We'll see you next time.